Hey, paisanos, and welcome back to Video Games, the movie, the podcast. I am your host, Dan. I'm Maxie. And with us, we have a guest today. Hi. Oh, did I come in too early? Oh, gosh. No, uh, hi. hi, I'm I'm Morgan. I'm returning for yet another exciting installment of the live-action Resident Evil movies. My goodness. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Paul W.S. Anderson, uh, uh, I, I, what, there's six, seven of them? Yeah, yeah, there's, there's six of them, and there is also the recent one that came out, but that one has no involvement from either Paul W.S. Anderson or Mila Jovovich, and it's not very good. But, but, Ooh. but the main, Exactly, right, exactly. I'm ride or die. I, I really say no Paul, no show, as far as I'm concerned. But, yeah, there are, there are six of these films, some decidedly better than others, and, uh, today you've invited me to watch the second one, Resident Evil Apocalypse. Yeah, uh, let's see, before we get into it, let's, uh, real quick talk about what games you've been playing this month? I've been playing a lot think, of, uh, oh, sorry, you go first. Sure, I was just going to say, I think I'm probably still playing the same thing I was playing the last time I was on this podcast. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I talked about it, but I've been playing a lot of Team Fortress 2 lately. Oh, neat. Yeah, that game, the thing about that game is that it's really good, right? I had, I had played it a lot. When I was a teenager, like when I got my first laptop that could actually run a game, right? I bought, uh, the orange box for it, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I really liked Portal. I thought Half-Life was okay, but I just fell in love with TF2. And, you know, you kind of fall off of it over the years. I got really into Overwatch when that was like first, first mm-hmm. released, you right. know, but otherwise I don't play a whole lot of first-person shooters. The reason I got really into TF2 is because it's free, and it the mechanics of it are still really good, right? And people I know whose computers can't run, like, the best video games or whatever, you can still run TF2 fairly easily, right? Just because, yeah. of, just because of how it's made. And so, I don't know, it's really fun to get back into that game because, like, as a as a construction, you know, it's maybe a little bit outdated, but as a gameplay experience and like like the design of it and all that, it's very I don't know, it's very well put together. It's still very fun to play if you get a group of people. Uh I I highly recommend getting back into TF2. I also recommend uh Vampire Survivors, which which I've oh. been playing lately. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard about that from a friend. Yeah, uh, it- that is, from what I understand, a very number-go-up game. It is. It's like Cookie Clicker for people who are really into Castlevania. It's it's sort of just a game where you have to walk around a level and shoot 
bats and zombies and various other ghouls and ghosts and goblins. And eventually you get so powerful you just kind of can, like, sit there and then you just kind of let the game run until something kills you. So there are different achievements and stuff you can get. There are definitely various power-ups and things, but it really is, for me, I think the epitome of, of the podcast listen game, right? I, uh, I I play it while I'm listening to a podcast. I'll play that. My other ones I've played uh, in the past for that purpose have been, I think, Civ Five and um, what is the what is the um, what is the PC game that came out on Steam a while ago? I think it was it never got out of early access, but it's called Banished, mm-hmm. where you um, you kind of manage this small settlement of people out in the wilderness and you have to do resource management and build uh build buildings and stuff like that Mm -hmm. and those are my two prior games for that purpose now i mostly just play vampire survivors because i like to see the ghouls and ghosts and i think it's fun where you get the weapons that make big explosions right right it's it's like the um I don't know. It's 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 the it's the tough cookie clicker. It's the it's the I, I I feel like explaining it as cookie clicker is a little bit reductive, but I don't really have a whole lot of other frames of reference for games like that, mm-hmm. right? Where where the objective is to just kind of make a number go up. But it but it's fun. You know, if you're into those kinds of games, I definitely recommend it. What about y'all? What have y'all been playing? Uh, so first half of the month I was playing a lot of Surviving Mars, which is about what it sounds like. It's kind of like a base builder where you're colonizing and terraforming Mars. Um, lately though I've been playing a lot of Dragon Quest Builders 2, which oh, I don't yeah. know if you, it, it's basically Minecraft, but Square made it. Okay. Or, I guess That'd Enix. Be- uh, but, it's a really weird game because, like, it is Minecraft plus Dragon Quest. Like, that's what it is, and it can't really not be that, but also it feels like it doesn't want to be that. Like, it's yeah, it's weird about giving you all the tools you want to play with, and, like, progression is directed in this very strange way. You have this big central sandbox island, but also there's only so much you get to do on it, and it feels like the systems that are there are, like, simultaneously not quite as robust as you like, but also they're always kind of pushing against you. It's very strange. Right. Um, I remember I played the first one when it came out for Switch, and I think I only really got through the first level of it, but I remember thinking a lot of those same things, right? That it was a really cool concept, and I really liked the aesthetics of it, but I did feel like um, they maybe didn't capitalize on a lot of the mechanics of it, or go in-depth with, like, some of the quest stuff as they could have. The thing that I found really striking was I got to a point in the main story where some NPCs, like, partially build a throne room and you need to finish it. Mm -hmm. But they built it so big that if you just enclose it, the game will not recognize it as a room. (laughs) Uh Okay. So it's like, okay, why'd you make it like this then? You you know the system better than I do, man. You're designing it. Why why do it like this? Anyway, you know, I still might play a bit more of it, but it's 
kind of frustrating me because of all that sort of stuff. Uh, so I've also been playing yeah. Minecraft with my boyfriend. He set up a server. Uh, I'm hell just, yeah. Never really played Minecraft before, so uh, it's a new experience. It's that a good game, game. Here's the thing. Dragon Quest Builders explains everything too much. Minecraft does not explain shit to you. Mm-hmm. Just, I don't know, man. Here's some recipes if you know what they are, if you want to, like, scroll through the catalog. Fucking mine and craft. I'm not your dad. Yeah, I am. That's another game that I uh, played a lot of as, like, a podcast game. I got it on the Switch. That became kind of an airport game for me, too, when I was traveling. Um, it's, uh, It's one of those games that I feel like is kind of easy to zone out to, and that's mostly what I like about it. I think when I play it, I kind of ignore any of the side stuff or the quest stuff and just end up mining for four hours straight, right? Just just building shit. Is that kind of the same experience you have, or are you into the into the side stuff in that game? I mean, I haven't gotten that far into it. I just really started playing it a couple days ago. But so far, mm-hmm. honestly, I just want to, like, explore the world and, like, make a cool base. Yeah. Yeah, the base building stuff is addicting. I really like it. Uh, let's see. I, so, I've been playing Final Fantasy XIV, of course. Uh, I've been playing it for, like, several months now. I, just the other day, I finished the, uh, Stormblood expansion. Uh, I, I understand why the common consensus is, like, that Stormblood is the weaker of the expansions, but uh, nonetheless, the game is pretty good. Uh, I love the uh, Lion Man I made in it. Uh, yeah, yeah, you can do the uh, the lions. I always forget. Mm-hmm. Uh, I uh, spent. I've thought up like backstory and OC stuff a whole bunch for them. Uh, the other things I've been playing. Uh, I haven't been playing much else, though, uh, when the Steam Next Fest happened, I, uh, tried out some demos. Uh, uh, I, two to be specific. One was for a game called Ollie Frog Toad Skater, which Hell is yeah. an indie, uh, mock-up of, uh, Tony Hawk, where you're playing as, like, a little, cute little frog. Uh, it's really cute, it's really fun. It feels a little off, because I'm so used to... Uh, Tony Hawk, but it's still pretty good. I'm, it was, it was fun to mess around with. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other demo I tried out was for Slayers X, uh, the Hypnospace Outlaw spinoff game. Uh, I fucking love it. It is the most, uh, teenager in 1999 who's really into Linkin Park game. Uh, it's modeled after a build engine game because of course it is. Uh, it's, uh, like, it's like a first person shooter. Uh, a retro first person shooter. And like, like, throughout it, like, it's got this really goofy aesthetic. Like, when you start the game, the difficulty modes are not a real gamer, normal gamer, and I'm awesome. And Hell yeah. And, like, as you're, like, going through the levels, like, shooting stuff, uh, the main character, Zane... Oh, by the way, the backstory for this is that the character from Hypnospace Outlaw, Zane Rocks 14, uh, is now 
who was actually 15, is now Zane Rock 36, so he's actually 37. <laughs> uh, and he, like, found this disc, this, like, dollar store disc that he had, like, a game on that he never, re- that he never finished. Uh, it's incredible. It, uh, he's, like, saying all these, like, goofy one-liners, except he's not very good at one-liners. It's stuff like, that's messed up, or you mother flipping turd piles. Uh, this sounds great. I am. Were you a Were you a big Hypnospace fan? Did you? Enjoy oh that yes, game? I love that game. It's one of my all time yeah. favorites. It's Hypnospace. Really Hypnospace fucking rules. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that game. That game whips. If you're listening and you haven't played that game, I I highly recommend it. Yeah. Uh, I, I let's see. I also briefly like mess. Playing that demo got me in the mood for like old first person shooters again, so uh I I uh also set up a source the source port for uh Duke Nukem three D. Uh oh hell yeah. I've I've only played like the first two levels so far, but it is very enjoyable. You yeah. do die very easily in that game. Yeah, you do. I'm a I'm a Duke 3D apologist. I think that game's good. I I did did either of y'all play the uh the that leaked version of Forever that came out? I haven't, but I've looked into it. It looks it looks interesting. Yeah, uh, it seems kind of cool. The impression I get is that it was uh basic, not like finished, but a very functional game that basically just got thrown out because uh, the guy in charge was maybe not like considering how to run a project and instead of oh, this game that is released is cool, we need to be that now. Yeah, it's mm. wild. I can't I can't believe they... I mean, I can believe they did that, but at the same time that um, I don't know, people, they, they could have avoided a whole lot of problems if they had just released that game if they hadn't um, if they hadn't set their like scope so high. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I've I've tried playing Duke Nukem Forever a couple times, the actual 3D release version, and I just I just can't do it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I think that's it for me. So uh, let's get into this movie. Ah, uh, hell yeah! Hey, speaking of video games by teenagers in 1999 who listened to a lot of Lincoln Park. Let's uh let's get into Resident Evil Apocalypse. Let's let's mm-hmm. let's chew this movie up. Off the bat, how did y'all feel about this one? I gotta know. Up uh, and down. Like yeah. there There are some parts that are just nothing at all, but then there are other parts where I was absolutely hooting and hollering at my TV. Yeah. Uh absolutely. the way that I yeah. usually don't with these. Yeah, I agree. I think this is overall Maybe the second worst of them behind Final Chapter, but even then, the stuff that's good in this movie is is so good. Like, there's some there's some really fun ideas. I just think the direction, the direction's a little loose for me sometimes. It feels like he doesn't really know what he's doing with the material in some of these bits. But uh, how do y'all how do y'all want to tackle this one? How do we want to yeah. go about this? Uh, I mean, usually, usually we hit like the story beat by beat and dig into it. Um, yeah, I I like uh, so the start of this movie is basically a recap by Alice from the first movie, 
And it is mm-hmm. this like lavishly overproduced CG sequence with four screens rotating oh, a techno void <laughs> and like a deconstructed umbrella logo spinning around. I I am so happy to tell you this. This becomes a recurring trope going forward. Every oh, single yeah. movie, every single one of these after the first one begins exactly like this. Mm-hmm. They've uh, got to get you caught up in the theater if you're going with your friends from high school, and this is the first one you've seen. Uh, we've we've got like shots of Raccoon City and suburbia and uh, guys in hazmat suits going into the hive, but uh, they they like send some dudes in, but uh, it's too dangerous. Like I think they immediately get attacked by zombies. Uh, mm. Uh, we get this thing of all these, like, Umbrella Corporation cars, like, coming into Raccoon City on a big bridge, which, uh, as it turns out, is going to become the only way in and out. Uh, uh, they, we've got, we've got, uh, these, like, cars going around, picking up, uh, people in the city who are, like, important to Umbrella, we get, uh, one of them being, uh, the sort of, this very major player in this, uh, Ashford. He's mm-hmm. like, he's a wheel, he's a scientist in a wheelchair. Uh, he's very, he doesn't want to leave yet because, uh, he's got to pick up his daughter who's at school mm-hmm. right now. I uh, really like this whole sequence because you have this contrast of very normal suburbia. Uh, but you just have umbrella operatives zooming around, picking up their personnel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. This movie, um, the, one, of, one of the things I noticed about it is that it's not really the best one in terms of direction, but in terms of the writing, because this one was still written by Paul W.S. Anderson. It was not directed by him. But this movie in particular is kind of the Rosetta Stone for this franchise, right. where... You see a lot of the images and themes and ideas that he's going to be kind of obsessing over in these movies going forward. And the idea of this David Lynch's literally underground blue velvet suburbia, but it's an evil biotech corporation, is is something that Paul W.S. Anderson is going to come back to. It's a huge part of uh, Resident Evil Retribution, and it feels like he definitely has some kind of... <sighs> I mean, I don't know. This movie This movie's kind of like Baby's first anti-corporation movie, right? Right, where, right. Where, where so much of this is predicated on, you know, the, the fascism of this corporation, the, this control over this biological agent... You know, how they kind of got a stranglehold on the city in a way that you really didn't see in the first movie. And I feel like, because this, this exact shot is kind of funny. It's this, uh, this shot of this house in the suburbia and the camera literally pans down blue velvet style through the grass and then it cuts into this hallway in the hive and there's immediately about eight discrete canted angles that happen here. Right. Um, so it's it's fun, but it's also kind of funny, like a very funny way of literalizing the themes of this movie, you know, like just putting it right up front and saying, hey, this is what this film is about. And then 
we immediately get one of my favorite parts of this whole film, which is where they reopen the hive and they open the door and find out it's still contaminated inside. And a dude literally has an iPad that has a graphic which says something like T-Virus Contamination, and you see the status bar spike up from 0 to 100% as they all start freaking out. It's so, it's so good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They uh, love to put, um, like, digital information on the screen. In these oh, there's so much oh, of that yeah. in this film. Another Paul W.S. Anderson classic. He loves to put all the exposition on the screen as literally as possible. Uh, once we have that evacuation sequence, we transition to 13 hours later, and this is maybe the most direct adaptation of anything in the games in this movie, because this is straight up the opening to Resident Evil 3. It is disgraced yeah, cop Jill Valentine uh, in an apartment in Raccoon City. Uh, there is a police radio, and there's a news broadcast. There's zombies all over the place. The Resident Evil apocalypse is underway, uh, and Jill is like, well, I'm going to go to the police station and start killing some zombies. It, it seems... They never explicitly state this, and I appreciate it, because something I think this film does very well is it does not over-deliver exposition until the very end, which is weird. Um... It seems implied that the events of Resident Evil 1 more or less happened in this continuity. Yeah, this this movie is a very loose adaptation of Resident Evil 3 and parts of Resident Evil 2. There, there's a little bit of both of them in there, but it's mostly number 3. Yeah, I, I would Can say I... the main element of 2 is like the rescuing the kid plotline. Yeah, because the guy, Ashford, is a very obvious sort of quasi-proxy for Birkin in Resident Evil 2, if you've ever played the games. Like, he's not Birkin, but he's he, he serves he is a in, very he is similar a dis- function. Yeah. He is a disgruntled yeah. umbrella scientist who's like, my daughter's missing, find my daughter. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I think now is is a good time to take a beat for for me at least and the two of you may agree with me on this when i say that uh Jill Valentine kind of nice with it in this movie she um, kind of is there's mm-hmm. there's a lot of very hot women in these films and i feel like her showing up in the police department and just immediately doming zombies is is a great scene i feel like Especially uh the part later on where she's being filmed by the video camera and she lights the cigarette by snapping her fingers together. Mm. Uh just just a lot of really good material from actress Cena Gallery here. Yeah. Which is uh, a godsend considering by the time we get to Resident Evil Retribution, she will comfortably be giving one of the most baffling performances in this entire franchise. Oh, um, oh great. Her performance in that, like, okay, I don't mean to spoil anything about that film, but have either of y'all played Resident Evil 5? Um, no, I, I don't know anything about 5, honestly. Okay, I know okay. a little bit about 5. Wait, so is, okay. is 5 the one that's in Africa and people are like, yes. I don't know if this is racist racist, but it seems... Ill-conceived. It feels, when you play it, it definitely feels like that, where you're like, well, this isn't 
technically, like, explicitly insensitive, but there's just something about it that doesn't feel good, mm-hmm. right? But, um, no, she, if you know anything about Resident Evil 5, I won't spoil it, but she kind of pulls some stuff from her character in those games eventually, and just, just really, really strange material from her coming up. But in this movie, I, I love her. I feel, like she is a very standout part of this film as the literal the like let me find my words here as a literalization of the idea of a Resident Evil adaptation because they they genuinely put her in the Jill Valentine outfit right mm-hmm. yeah which is not something you get a lot of in these movies going forward because they start playing so fast and loose with the references in the canon of the games that this is kind of the last train home in terms of accuracy to the source material, this mm-hmm. movie. Everything else from here on out just gets progressively stranger. But this one, I think, is fairly solid. Maybe not great, but certainly better than bad in terms of how it adapts the material to a mid-to-low-budget sci-fi popcorn thriller. Right. Right. Um, let's see. Uh, what was I going to say? Uh, so, uh, other stuff that's happened in the film. Uh, the scientist, or, like, the Umbrella guys tried to pick up the daughter. Uh, she gets in the car. The car is immediately just smashed by like a truck. I I it's just so jarring and sudden. Uh I just wrote that wrote down that she got hit by truck coon, but she's alive. <laughs> yeah. But that uh, one also feels like a reference to Resident Evil 2, but in that one the truck driver was like infected, so in this one it's just like, "Damn, dude, look at the street." Mhm. Yeah, this is um this is another scene that Paul's going to come back to in one of the later movies, the the T-boned car in suburbia. Right. But it's it's very it's very sudden. How do y'all feel about this character of of the girl, uh, Angela Ashford? Does yeah. does her being in this movie work for y'all or would we rather have not just had a a a sad yet plucky daughter character to be a sort of where's Carmen Sandiego plot point for this movie. Yes or no on this one. I don't mind her, but I feel like we don't really get enough time with her to get a feel for her. Yeah, I would say I'm I don't mind it as like a plot device. I'm kind of indifferent to the character. Mm -hmm. Uh, She's certainly interesting. I Remind me, is she is she played by Paul W.S. Anderson's daughter? Or is that another character in these films? That's later. His, um, his his daughter starts showing up later. I don't think he he either doesn't have a daughter at this point or she's too young. Um, right. But she does start showing up in a couple of the latter installments of these movies. I think that. She, um, if you remember the, uh, Red Queen from the first movie, the evil AI, uh, mm-hmm. she is recast as the Red Queen in Final Chapter, I think. Right. Um, and that's kind of, that's kind of her big thing in these movies. Right. Okay. Uh, what else? 
So, uh, uh, we get to see Alice, uh, experience the last five minutes of the, uh, first movie again. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I don't mind the reused footage because honestly, there's no reason to reshoot it. Right. Just I'm fine with them saving the time and money. Yeah, yeah, yeah it, absolutely. It uh, it is pretty cool to lo- watch again. It's a fun sequence. Her like wandering through this like empty city. Uh, her getting out her shotgun. Uh. Uh. So. Uh. There's, like, uh, we get, like, stuff of, like, huge crowds of people. There's this mm-hmm. woman, like, running upstairs trying to get away from zombies and, like, this part where she has to, like, get through a door but it's locked and she has to put in a code. Mm-hmm. I, I love, like, the transition, like, the camera shifting back and forth, uh, from, like, her and, like, the zombies and, Eventually, she get when she like gets it right. It's very entertaining. Uh, yeah. But so, so this sequence introduces us to our third protagonist, uh, Carlos Oliveira, also from mm-hmm. Resident Evil Three, a uh, member of a small group of Umbrella mercenaries. Uh, they're in a nearby helicopter, and they're supposed to be basically doing crowd control because. Most of the city's population at this point is gathered up at the one entra- exit to the city and having to go through a checkpoint for, frankly, understandable reasons. Like, not, we don't have to hand it to Umbrella, but also don't, don't let people who might be infected out. Um. Right. Uh, any, anyway, so this, this helicopter, uh, is near this rooftop. Carlos is like, hey, there's a woman down there. We need to go save him. Uh, one of his, uh, one of his teammates is like, no, we've been ordered not to assist civilians. He says, mm, I don't care. And he bungee jumps out of the helicopter. Oh, yes. <laughs> dual wielding pistols. I... And this fucking rules. It's very good. Yeah, I love him just like stopping right before he hits like the, the surface. Him like going down, firing the pistols. It's great. Uh, uh, also, I really like how this scene ends where they're like, listen, we can help you, but the woman is just like, man, they bit me. I know where this goes. And she just jumps to her death. Honestly, mm-hmm. props to her. Like, listen, go out on your own terms, girl. Right. Uh, uh, so, uh, Jill shows up at the checkpoint along with, uh, a partner of hers, uh, Peyton. Uh, mm-hmm. They, they're like trying to get a an idea of what's going on when a guy seems to be having a heart attack, but it turns out he's a zombie. And ah, oh no! Yeah, uh, Jill shoots him in the face, and like the uh, umbrella guys, like at the top of the gator, realize that uh, the infection's already gotten here, so they have to like they have to shut it down. They have to uh, seal the city. Seal the city. Uh, everyone here stuck. Uh, there's no way out. Uh, also, we do meet, like, uh, this, this, like, dude. Uh, I don't think I found out his name until, like, the very end in, like, a subtitle. Uh, I, let me just check here. Uh, it's... Was it uh, Kane? Kane, yes, Kane. Of yeah. course. Kane, Kane. Kane. 
Kane is the man in charge of Umbrella Operations during this outbreak, uh, and he ends up being the antagonist for part of this movie, but not as much of it as you'd think. Right. Who is who is the antagonist of this film? If you had to pick one overarching antagonist for this movie, who would it be? I would personally go with Kane, but uh, mm. hmm. I guess Umbrella, the Umbrella Corporation as a whole. But even then, yeah. yeah. I mean, no, I think that's accurate because I think it's very much a systemic problem. You know, this right. is not something that's right. getting blamed on. You know, Wesker or some CEO figure or you know, Fungus Kid or whatever. It's like, <laughs> it is a whole ass corporation and its internal pressures are pushing it to make some awful decisions. Literally, mm. the, the, the villain of this movie is capitalism straight up. It's, Absolutely. Um, yeah, mm. it, it is. It's like I said, it's, it's, it's kind of like Baby's first, you know, anti, anti-corporation movie in that way where like, I don't know. The, the the ending of this movie has some good ideas. I don't think it's directed very well, but like um some some of the stuff with how the villain is eventually dispatched and the irony of it mm-hmm. and Mila Jovovich getting a cool one liner about how how Oh you know, no 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 listen, we'll get there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, we'll get there. Um uh, anyway, Umbrella after they seal the city, the crowd is like pissed off and trying to you know, they're slamming against the gates, so Umbrella fires into the crowd, they all disperse, and, uh, Jill, her friend Peyton, who got bitten in the chaos, and, um, this reporter, uh, end up yeah. running off together. Her name's, uh, the report- uh, Terry. Terry Morales, for, yeah. uh, for Channel 7 News. Uh, so... Then we, th- we see the stupidest thing this movie does, uh, which mm-hmm. is... Do y'all notice that sometimes when there's a bunch of zombies on screen, it'll just, like, drop the frame rate? Right. Uh, I didn't, but I've seen this movie a lot, so I probably just wasn't paying attention. <laughs> yeah, no, the, it does this in a few scenes, and it isn't slow motion. Like, it's going at normal speed, it's just dropping frames. Oh, right, yeah, 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 I know what you're talking mm. about. We're, we're, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I don't know... I don't know why they do that. It's a very, it's a very interesting creative choice. It, it does not work. Right. No, I don't know. There's a lot of capital C choices in this movie that I'm not sure work, and that is certainly one of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, where, motherfucker. Okay, so, uh, we get, uh, we get, like, shots of, like, Umbrella troops, uh, fighting zombies. Uh, we see, uh, Dr. Ashford. Uh, he's like telling him that he's not gonna leave without his daughter. Uh, and, uh, the dialogue here is weird because it seems like, uh, uh, Kane isn't yelling, but Dr. Ashford is. Uh, it, it feels weird because, like, I understand, like, Maybe Dr. Ashford is like, because there's like a helicopter going, so naturally mm-hmm. one of them should be yelling, but like, mm-hmm. it, it, it feels- Ideally they should both be yelling is what yeah. you're saying, right? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I think the guy playing Kane in general is just like, kind of underacting through a lot of this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know whether that's like a direction issue, or because English is not his first language, he's German- 
Um, mm. I would say it, it's not as much of a problem, like, in the finale, but in a lot of these scenes, he just doesn't seem like he's that invested. Right. Uh, so, uh, Dr. Ashford tries to get on the computer. He's having some trouble. Uh, he opens up his Sony Vio, uh, and, uh, just, <laughs> he types in hack search, uh, Dr. Ashford or whatever, and it grants access, so now he's got access to all the security cameras in the city, so he's using them to look for, like, survivors he can get to help, uh, save his daughter. Uh, uh, he finds, uh, Alice. He, he plays an FMV game to find his daughter, right? <laughs> yeah. It's this sequence yeah, of- he's, he's doing Five Nights at Freddy's. Yeah, yeah, he's like, he's clicking through all these cameras. The camera inside the screen is swooping down through all these 3D maps of the city, and he's like choosing the locations and going through the camera. He's playing friggin' like her story to locate Angela Ashford at this point. It, it's, it's such a, it is like both the worst and best example of Paul W.S. Anderson literally just showing you things on the screen. Mm-hmm. Because on one hand, you're like, he's just Google searching his daughter. But on the other hand, you're thinking this is completely brilliant. At least for me. I, I eat this shit up. I yeah, don't know how y'all it, feel about it, it, though. It makes a good- You go ahead. No, no, you, you were saying. Uh, it makes a good framing device between, like, scenes. But, mm-hmm. uh, it is also very funny. Uh, I, I just uh, straight up did not understand the situation correctly at first. Basically, I thought that the personnel locator was giving him wrong information on his daughter, so he was continuing to look for her elsewhere. But what actually happens is it informs him that she's holed up in her school, and mm-hmm. he can't really go get her, because he is a non-combatant in a wheelchair. Um, so he starts, like, going over the CCTV footage to try and find and contact somebody to retrieve her for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he finds, uh... He finds Alice, uh, she, uh, gets herself some clothes, uh... Yeah, she goes into, like, a camping hunting supply store for clothes, for more guns, uh, and then she, like, collapses to the floor. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, she's not feeling good, she's remembering what happened at the end of the last movie, uh, there's, like, this guy saying, Up the dosage! Just do it! <laughs> you know, you know what I will complain about in this movie? Too many uh-huh. goddamn flashbacks. Yeah, those don't ever really go away. I think this is definitely the worst one in terms of that because it, 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 I don't know. I think you could cut this and the first movie together as one really long, like three and a half hour movie. I don't know why you would, but I think you could. Mm-hmm. And I think it would work in this film's favor because you cut out all of this, like, I, I, I want him for the Nemesis program for, like, the eighth time, right? Like, we get it. He's in the Nemesis program, you know. We, we, we know. We know the dosage has been upped. Uh, mm-hmm. I agree with you that there's a little too much of that in here. Uh, let's see. Ashford is also able to find, uh, Jill, Peyton, and, uh, uh, Ter- Terry. Terry. Uh, yep. Yeah. Uh, they're, they've gone into a church, uh, uh, this guy, like, points a gun at them and says, 
But he, you have to get out. He's hiding here. They convince him to put the gun down. Uh, uh, at this point, like, we get this whole thing with, like, Terry trying to, like, report on the whole situation, like, get an account going, mm-hmm. uh, and notes, like, she could get an Emmy for this. Right uh, set, honestly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, Jill's, like, going around the church looking for any particular zombies and finds this very nice room where, uh, a man and a woman are, uh, uh, the, uh, man is a priest and the woman is his sister. The man uh, is an extremely, he's an extremely British priest for some reason. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's a lot um, of British people in this American city. Uh, yeah, this American city that's definitely not downtown Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, so what's happening here is, the sister turned a while ago, she's chained to the chair, and the priest has been feeding her corpses, which... Okay, okay, okay. Unbecoming of a man of the cloth. Okay, I don't... Listen. I don't want to do a cinema sense thing here. I really don't. But. But. I need y'all to tell me right now, how long has it been since the outbreak started? Right. You know, now that you mention it... <laughs> How long did it take for this guy I mean, to chain up his sister to a chair and start feeding her corpses an hour? I mean, Two it is, hours? It is very Fifteen ex- minutes? It, it has very explicitly been... It was 13 hours between, uh, you know, Umbrella starting to evacuate people, which was before the outbreak took over the city... And Jill going to bust some heads at the police station. So, like, this has maybe been 15 hours at most? This guy skipped straight over the seven stages of grief and said, Alright, I guess we're making this happen. He he is the only one in this movie who knows what movie they're in because he's the only one that knew his sister had turned into a zombie. Yeah, he, this d- whole he movie. did have enough time to, like, restrain her without getting bitten himself, apparently. Yeah, and there's there's multiple corpses in this room, right? Like, it is not just a single corpse. This guy has been at work. Like, he's been ready for this. This dude has been a doomsday prepper for the zombie apocalypse this whole time. I think that's the real story of this film. That- we we need to get the prequel of zombies breaking into the parish office, and he just starts beating the hell out of them with a candlestick. Right. Oh, yeah, got we- my sister. Well, I'll, ju- I'll just kill them and feed them to her. That solves both problems. We need the Resident Evil Father Grigori prequel film, please. I need I need this material. Maybe we get the limited edition HBO Max Resident Evil prequel, six episodes, an hour each, and we find out that this priest was also a secret Umbrella operative who was who was escorting baby nemesis, and we're just now finding out about it. <laughs> I'm um, very entertained by the thought of baby nemesis. Baby, so baby, <laughs> baby stars. Baby Nemesis. I love Nemesis. We haven't even gotten to him showing up in this movie yet, but I feel like I should Listen. preface this by saying I am I am world's number one Nemesis fan club. If Nemesis if Nemesis has one fan, I am a fan. If Nemesis has a thousand fan, I am the thousandth fan. If the world is against Nemesis, I am against the world. No, Nemesis uh, in this movie is so fucking good. I love Nemesis. Mm-hmm. 
Yes. The thing, the thing about Nemesis in this movie is he does a lot of cool shit in, like, the cheapest possible rubber monster costume. It's really? so... Uh, oh, I thought it looked kind of good. Uh, like, I was very uh... obviously a costume and makeup, but I thought it looked alright. It's mm-hmm. not... It's not the worst, I'll say that, but I think the part at the end, uh, which I won't spoil, that involves you, like, seeing Staring Nemesis... Staring at his face, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a little much. But no, Nemesis gets to do some some cool hot girl shit in this yeah. film. Uh, uh, so yeah, Jill shoots the... Jill's gonna shoot the sister, the priest stops her, he gets bitten for the trouble, she shoots both of them, the noise spooks Terry, she opens the church doors, there's a bunch of zombies outside, they get a, they gotta barricade the door, it's like a fucking Rube Goldberg contraption, uh, mm-hmm. and then liquors are here, and the blonde guy, like, runs off to try and confront the liquor, it gets his ass immediately. Yes, uh, only liquors in the film, I think... Uh, yeah, but we we do get three of them. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the liquor becomes kind of this movie's um, de facto monster, and I think each movie kind of has one. Um, the liquors will come back. They will be reused in multiple films. Uh, unfortunately, Nemesis, I, he's kind of a one and done on this one. Boo! So boo! We, I want know. More ne- we want more Nemesis! I really hope they would bring back a nemesis in these films, but um, we have to talk about this church scene first, because there's some good stuff here. I mean, uh-huh. in terms of, like, these scenes so far in the church, I feel like they're kind of, like, half going for horror, but not really trying hard enough to set the tone. Um, uh-huh. Like, this, this movie is an action movie, and there's some horror trappings, but if it tries not yeah. to be an action movie, I feel like it falls flat. Uh, There's very little in these films that I would qualify as being straight horror. It's mostly it's mostly tilted towards action. Can I also bitch about something? This was true in the first film, and I bet it's true in the next film, too. The color grading is so fucking blue. Uh, <laughs> uh, hey, like, good news. Good news. Uh, the next movie is Resident Evil Mad Max. There is not a single frame of blue in that entire film. Okay, it said good. it's orange. Uh, I'll take orange. Uh, it's a change of pace. But, like, it strikes me here because in the first movie, you know, it was in an underground medical facility. It's gonna be blue. I get it. In a lot of this movie, it's outside. They're doing the standard day-for-night blue tint. Like, we can get a little dark. We can't get it that dark because that would fuck with the camera settings. Shit. Like, I get all mm-hmm. that. The sequence is in a church. The blue yeah. color grading does not work, because it's like, mm. th- this is all candlelit, and there's stained glass, and there's, like, pews, which should be this deep brown, and it's like, no, it's all blue. Yeah. Maybe it's, no uh, sense maybe, of place. maybe it's like that series, what is it, Book of a New Sun, where everything's blue all the time, because the, uh, the heat from the sun is dying, so... It's all blue and red. I feel like that's maybe the universe we're operating in here. Because even the outside, the outside scenes when she leaves the hospital are very blue too, right? And those are in broad daylight. Hmm. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's the Eiffel 65 extended universe. Uh, so, uh, they're, de- they've got these liquors, uh, they're, they're like trying hard to fight them. They're, they're in a lot of danger when a motorcycle goes through a stained glass window. Yeah! Alice is here, baby! Let's go. She's got two guns plus some extras. Uh, she, 
she like does this bullet time thing where she fires two bullets. Okay, hang on. Cannot emphasize enough. Before that, she ghost rides her motorcycle into one of the liquors. Then she does the bullet time thing with bullet cam in order to explode the motorcycle and take the liquor out with it. Yes, it's incredible. It's It's so fucking good! good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hey, good news. Once we, uh, I know I hype this movie up a lot, uh, but I'm biased. Resident Evil Retribution is just scenes like that for the entire film. That's, that's why it's the best one. Yes. Hey, listen. I, I don't want to take away credit from Mia Jovovich here because a lot of this is down to, you know, her physicality, her acting, and so on. Mm -hmm. But also, Paul W.S. Anderson, the man who wrote these movies, world's most powerful wife guy. Yes. Absolutely. 100%. That's the appeal. Like, that's literally the appeal of these movies is that he just starts writing these for no other purpose than to make her look as cool as possible. And by the time you get to four, it really leans into that. And Retribution is kind of the perfection of that formula. And, Mm -hmm. um... This movie has some great stuff. I love this motorbike. I always am a sucker. Always a sucker for a good bullet time sequence. And every time one of these movies has a bullet time sequence where the camera rotates around the bullet to see the umbrella logo, I, I pop so hard for that. It's, it's, it's so much fun. They, they really, if nothing else, these films are good at being the kind of movies that make you want to yell in the theater, right? Right. Absolutely. Uh, uh, so yeah, Alice is able to take out the other two liquors. Uh, one, she uses SMGs to knock over a giant cross and pin it to the ground. And then the third, it leaps at her and she just blasts it with a shotgun she's wielding one-handed. It's so fucking cool! It whips ass. Ah, uh, it rules. Okay, uh, okay, hang on. Here's the part, here's the part that I really want to dig into. Cause after this church mm-hmm. sequence. Alright, so when Jill was at the police station earlier, there was a suspect in custody next to a zombified woman who was like trying to bite him. And she managed to save him as well as several others by just headshotting some zombies. This man, who has a stupid fedora, and like... (laughs) Yeah. I I cannot describe his outfit accurately. He has like a stupid fedora and like this flashy waistcoat, this whole outfit. Uh, And he is cruising along in a car. Uh, He Mm. sees a zombie cop, runs him over on purpose, yells, GTA, motherfucker, ten points... And then gets distracted by some zombie strippers and crashes. Now here, yeah. here is, here is the dichotomy of this man, who we will learn is named LJ. On the one hand, this seems very racist. Yes. This, yes. Like, this, this man Stupendously. is- This man is like a- This man is a Saints Row 2 character, you know? And not, and not one of the ones with interiority. But also, 
This man is the most charming and relatable person in the movie. I I love this he man. He really every, is. Every time he's in a scene, I'm like, yeah, we get more LJ. And I honestly, it's especially striking because seeing him in that police station sequence, I didn't think he was going to be important. But he just, like, keeps coming up and eventually becomes part of the main crew. Yeah, yeah he, he, he rolls with the crew in the uh, next movie for a bit. I, I have a question for mm-hmm. both of you. I don't know if you knew this, but I'm going to tell you, and you can tell me if this casting would improve this film or make it worse, or improve the part or make it worse. The part of this character was originally written for Snoop Dogg. How does that make you feel? Oh, Mm. listen, I think the actor we got did a great job with the material he was given, but also, if Snoop Dogg were in this movie and just hanging out with everybody else, that would fucking whip. It would have aged in a really decent way, I think. Yeah. It would have had an extra layer of comedy to it. I Yeah, it would have definitely aged in a way where it's like, yeah, it's goofy and outdated, but also in the most charming way possible. Yeah. Uh, I, I also think it would have a different tone just because, like, I feel like Snoop Dogg's overall tone is more chill than yeah, uh, LJ's. He, he would be, I think, more charismatic and self-assured, whereas LJ is kind of, um, he's, he's like very self-assured, but he has, he has some moments where he's not like, you know, playing it straight in the same way that Snoop Dogg would, you know? Right. I, I feel like it, he brings a little bit of a different persona to the, to the material. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, uh, I, I will say, uh, LJ is striking because he feels the most like a person. Maybe mm-hmm. not like fully developed, but like, would, but m- acts more like how someone would act in this scenario without going into the full on like terrified, uh, 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 zombie fodder or whatnot. Yeah, he, he is in some ways an idealized everyman almost. Mm-hmm. Le- yeah. Like, He's not hyper competent like Jill and Alice, but like he's getting by. He mm-hmm. he he is he is smart enough to like know how to play this. Yeah, and we'll, we'll get into that too because he has a great scene coming up that uh I have like right. I think uh his next scene is the one where I fell in love with him. Right. Uh. So uh. Uh. So we see like uh the umbrella troops fighting zombies. We get like. Uh, in addition to, uh, Carlos, we've got, uh, Yuri and, uh, Nikolai. Uh, I, Nikolai. Uh, uh, Yuri, yeah. Yuri gets bit. Uh, Ashford is now looking at, through the CCTV at the Mercs as they're, like, looking for a safe place to regroup. Uh, we get a really weird shot after the Mercs leave, which is, we're just zooming in on a, uh, Stars helmet that's just kind of, Sitting there? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like someone suddenly remembered how to make a movie here for, like, one shot. Where they were like, damn, wouldn't it be cool if we did this? And you know what? It is kind of cool. I don't know. I feel like... Oh, I felt like this didn't work at all. Because, like, it's a shot with no real context. And also the helmet is just, like, sitting upright like it was placed Mm -hmm. on a shelf. Yeah, that's fair. I don't know. I think it's a cool concept. I, um... I, I think... I like the intention of it, whatever mm-hmm. that may be, but I see what you mean. Yeah. Uh, 
So, uh, see, uh, so, what happens? Okay, here we go. Uh, so, uh, Mila, Jill, uh, uh, Car- Mila, Jill, and I believe, uh, uh, Terry and Peyton are, like, going through, uh, graveyard. Uh, why, why are they going through a graveyard? I don't get this part. Because I, they're the stupidest people alive and they don't realize they're in a zombie film. Like, literally, that's the only reason. Now, I, in fairness, I did not know that the T-Virus could, like, get at existing corpses that were I underground. I don't think they've, they've established that yet. I don't think that's been a thing that's come up yet. These I, are, I don't. These are just regular zombies. That come out at night all the time. That's why. <laughs> that's why the a completely unrelated necromantic ritual. Yeah, that's yeah. why the priest was up to that whole thing with the with the corpses. Right, right. Yeah, they accidentally walked into an Evil Dead sequel. Is what happened here. I mean, <laughs> yeah. amateur mistake, but it happens to all of us, you know. I also assume they're in a graveyard. Maybe like it's attached to the church. Okay, um, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, so, uh. Mila and Jill are, like, pointing guns at each other because I think they're competing to become the protagonists of the film series. Uh, 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 also, they talk about how Peyton's gonna turn in, like, an hour, uh, but Jill believes... Jill wants to, uh, kill him, kill him herself if it comes to that. Uh, uh, we also... This is when the, the, the regular zombies show up, mm-hmm. and they... The ones that come out of the graves. Uh, Mila kicks ass. She gets to, like, shoot zombies. Uh, there's, there's a really good bit during, where at the end of this, like, whole zombie fighting scene, we get a shot of, like, a rotting, worm-filled zombie next to a headstone that says, rest in peace. Yeah. (laughs) My favorite part of this action scene, uh, there's two. One is that, I feel like the sound effects were mixed really loud for some reason. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and two, <laughs> because they're low on ammo after the fight with the liquors, like they're all doing close combat, not just Alice. Uh, and yeah. I swear to God that while Peyton is pistol whipping a zombie, he's just going like, uh, uh. Yeah, I love that. Especially just because it's so much lamer than what like Mila and Jill are doing. Uh, it's great. Uh, <laughs> Uh, at around this point, uh, Umbrella decides they're gonna activate the Nemesis program. Yeah! Nemesis program! Nemesis program! Girls only want one thing and it's fucking disgusting, and it's activating the Nemesis program. I I really love the scene where they activate Nemesis too, because it is Uh a shot-for-shot replica of the scene where they woke Alice up. And, like, like, the same benchmarks and scans show up on the computer screens, the lights turn on, but, like, it seems like the systems are starting to deteriorate a bit, or they're buckling under the strain. There's this, like, really good soundtrack to it. Oh, yeah, where it's like the... Like... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, like, harsh synth. I feel Uh like this is one of the only times in the movie that we have, like, an atmosphere going, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah, I think aside from this, the soundtrack for this movie is super, super generic in comparison to the first one, which right. was disappointing because that had like a Trent Reznor remix and you know, uh, like System of a Down or whatever. 
and or Rage Against the Machine. It had Rage Against the Machine, I think, in the credits or something. But this movie is really generic with its soundtrack, except for the Nemesis theme and except for the end credits where they play Kill Switch Engage for some reason. Mm-hmm. I um I really like this stuff. I really love Nemesis. I am I am one of my creative obsessions in in stories and stuff is the idea of the big bioweapon, you know, of the of the creature or the monster who is created and, you know, shipped out as a weapon and like even in Nemesis they send him in like the big crate, right? They airdrop him in, which is so fucking cool. I um oh my god, one of my I have to calm down because I get really worked up over Nemesis, but um, as we all do. Yeah, I mean, I just think he's a fucking incredible monster. He's one of my favorite monsters in fiction. He's um, a very cool design. Yeah. Yes, yes. Oh my god, the um, literally the background of my computer right now is a high resolution image of Nemesis from the remake version, where he has the huge heart valve on his chest and his um. His, uh, outfit is all like the, uh, like the black, like kind of garbage bag looking material. And he has the, uh, he has the caution stickers all over him. That's so mm-hmm. fucking cool. The, the, the part at the beginning of the Resident Evil 3 remake where he comes after you and he's like all wrapped up and then he catches on fire and you see his face. Ugh, ugh, it's so good. Ugh. That game is so good. But I would say, the stuff in this movie is also pretty decent, right? Um, right. They, they do a good enough job with the reveal stuff in here, even if it is kind of cheesy at times going forward. Uh, yeah. So, uh, we get, uh, we get our, uh, Merc guys, like, they're trying to signal a helicopter. Uh, it doesn't, doesn't respond to them. Instead, it drops two crates down a skylight. Two very important crates for a very important VIP. Uh, so the troops go inside to see, like, maybe there's something useful in the crates. Uh, uh, they, like, get to the weapon cases. They're totally empty. They weren't meant for them. Uh, and around this point, Yuri, like, turns and they're forced to, like, shoot him. Uh, there's, like, a whole bunch of shots of them, like, going through the hospital, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Yuri does manage to bite Nikolai, if I recall correctly. Right, right. Uh, then, uh, we, uh, cut back to, uh, we, we cut, cut back to, to a cowboy. We cut we, to, uh, we cut to this fucking Dead Rising 2 character. We yes. cut to the sniper from TF2. We, yes. we cut to this cowboy motherfucker huddled on top of a movie theater with like this 60s ass classic sign. Uh, I guess he's part of stars. LJ uh, is I, there. He's, he's trying to like open up another car so we can maybe get that going. Uh, it looks like the sniper is going to shoot him, which is weirdly charged imagery for this movie. Uh, but it turns out he was actually aiming at a zombie right behind LJ, so it's fine. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, after seeing this, he, like, goes inside this, uh, building where Stars is huddled out. Um, Stars just looks like, I don't know, Stars does not impress me in this film. These, these are just normal cops. Yes. Yeah, yeah, the cowboy is very fun. 
there is a 60-year-old man in here for some reason and a bunch of normal cops and that's it. There there's nobody else who's as interesting as starting off with the cowboy, I have to say. It was his last day on the job. He was going to retire tomorrow. Uh, uh, that's always such a you hate to see it. You really do. Uh so he goes inside and get they they all point guns at him, but they they give him a gun but he doesn't want it cuz He's got his own guns, which are custom gold-plated pistols. Mm. Uh, very cool weapon. Uh, not really used. Uh, yeah, he's got that uh, Duke Nukem special, right? <laughs> yes, he's got the Duke Nukem guns. Anyway, uh, fuck all that shit. Nemesis is here to play in his big leather coat and big stompy boots. I love him. He's so he's good. Great. Yeah, we love Nemesis. This is a pro Nemesis podcast. He, he, I want to go to a goth club with Nemesis. Yeah, hell yeah. I am. Um, that's like the original Nemesis design is so hot topic. I really like it. I am yeah. um, like I really like the new one a lot because it's fucked up and more of like a like a weird mad science way. But the original one is so of an era and of a time and of a design sensibility. He's got like buckled leather arm warmers on for God's sake. It's yeah. it's, uh, it's so good. Impeccable. It's so much fun. Yeah, he's got all these like leather straps on him. Uh he's like he's like just shrugging off all this gunfire. Uh uh and then he like just I can't remember he like fires a rocket at the sniper uh and then just gets the entire Stars crew with, uh, with a, uh, pull of his minigun. Yeah! Uh, so, specifically what happens is, the sniper fires him, he retaliates with the rocket launcher, we get some great pyrotechnics, and then, mm-hmm. uh, we get some exposition back at an Umbrella facility about, you know, Stars, Special Tactics Rescue Squad, what they are, and Kane is like, we need, we need to get some combat data. Uh, this is straight out of the games they're all about the fucking combat data Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, um so yeah his his main directive is now kill stars and he says the uh, he says the line we all love to hear he says stars he doesn't say it that much in this movie he says it like twice yeah man a few words i can respect that that's true but yeah like you said he mows down uh the stars but also, he manages to do it without leaving a scratch on LJ, who's just, like, standing in the middle of all this. Uh, and <laughs> then, this is the scene where I fall in love with him. Because we see him, like, through Nemesis' point of, Nemesis's point of view. He's marked as, you know, threat minimal. And he just, like, raises his guns, drops them on the ground. He's like, we're cool, man. I'm, I'm not, st- I'm, I have no problem with you. And, uh, he, he gets downgraded to none and Nemesis just leaves. And mm-hmm. besides me just liking LJ doing the obvious smart move in this situation, I really like that Nemesis doesn't kill him anyway. Cause I feel like that would be the, you know, easy bad guy move, but this sort right. of hammers home. He's not acting irrationally or arbitrarily. He's a monster and he's working for an evil corporation. But he's not going to kill outside of the orders he's been given. And I think that adds, right. like, that adds a lot of texture. Nemesis has some of the most characterization in this whole movie, I gotta say. He yeah. really does. Uh, also. He's got a sense of fashion. 
He's got preferred weapons. He's got a moral code. I mean, how 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 much can you say that about other characters in this movie? Not, oh, absolutely. Not very. Yeah. yeah. Uh, honest, here's also a thought I had when this happened. I was like, obviously they're not going to do this. But what if what if uh, what if this guy just became Nemesis's sidekick? Oh hell yeah! <laughs> well, just, uh, well, well, he doesn't have a problem with me if I don't wield if I don't pull out my guns. Uh, he's ki- he's killing any zombies that are in his way. What, he becomes like I, moral support. What if I just uh, hang out with this guy? Yeah, lore firmly companion. I am. Um, I don't know. It makes you think. Maybe. Maybe Nemesis should be called Nice Mesis, and we should just not uh, point a gun at him, and it would yeah. be okay. Let, I mean, listen, he only really kills cops. I, this hey, is true. This is true. This is certainly true. Much to consider, much to think about. Nemesis, ally of the people. Absolutely. I mean, Nemesis is a... He's kind of like a Frankenstein situation in this one, right? He's kind mm. of a... the. Against all uh, odds, this movie really tries to make Nemesis into a tragic figure by the end, which I don't necessarily agree with, but it's certainly a choice, right? And it's a choice they commit to. Absolutely. God bless them. Uh, so... Uh... Uh, they, uh... Let's see what happened. Okay, so... Uh, Mia and, uh... Her crew are like going around. She's talking about how she, how, uh, Umbrella did like experimental stuff on her and she doesn't feel human anymore. And then all, like, as they're like walking, like, phones nearby start ringing. Uh, they, they're like initially gonna like ignore it, but it keeps going. So, uh, Alice answers the phone. Uh, it's Ashford. He gives them the, uh, he gives them an offer to, uh, an offer to, uh, escape the city if they save his daughter. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so, he also points out that, uh, Raccoon City is going to be sanitized with a, with a nuke. Uh, or is that someone else who says that part? I, I think, uh, I think it's, Maybe he says it to Alice, and then Alice conveys it to the rest. I right. I know that Alice explains when Peyton is like, "We should just barricade. We should just barricade ourselves inside a safe building. Wait for this to blow over." And Alice is like, "No, it's getting nuked at dawn. That's not an yeah. option." They're gonna get nuked. They're gonna cover it up by saying there was a uh, Chernobyl incident. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, uh, so they got to do this if they want to get out of here alive. Uh, so, uh, they end up doing it, uh. Yeah, they they uh, head towards the school, uh, when they get to an overpass, Alice sees something in the fog, uh, Peyton is getting extreme, is getting increasingly frustrated and anxious, so he opens fire on it, turns out it's Nemesis, he gets shot dead, like, immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, Alice leaps down to fight it, while Jill and Terry run off, continuing towards the school, and we get what should be a good action sequence, but honestly, I don't like it. Mm-hmm. Here's the Is... problem. Like, th- this whole thing feels like it should be kind of a cat and mouse thing, and that's clearly, like, what they're going for. But Alice is straight-up superhuman. That has not been explicitly stated yet, but, like, it's just the way she moves. 
Like, she's doing things that are not humanly possible. And Nemesis can't fucking aim, even though earlier he was able to, like, kill 12 guys with a minigun while avoiding collateral damage. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, uh, they're, they're like, uh, they're dealing with this. Uh, he, uh, Neela, like, uh, has to, like, run, she has to throw herself down the, down a garbage chute. I do, uh, I, like I do those. like the part where she throws herself down a garbage chute. Mm-hmm. Nemesis just, like, smashes through a wall. Uh, uh, he fires a gun into the trap. He fires a rocket into the trash. But she's able to, like, get out just in time. Uh, mm-hmm. he gets the order to disengage, so he does. Uh, uh, there's this very upsetting bit where, like, she has to, like, set some broken fingers back in place. Yeah, I did, yeah. I did not like that part. She's nasty, yeah. Yeah, uh, uh, Jill and, uh, Jill is trying to hotwire a car. Uh, uh, Peyton has become a zombie, and Jill's gotta shoot him. Uh, the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, Umbrella Mercs, uh, Nikolai and, uh, uh, Nikolai and, uh, is it? Carlos. Nikolai and Carlos, yes. Uh, are, they're recovering in the back of an ambulance, they're, like, using the medical supplies to, like, patch themselves up when a phone rings. And we know what's gonna happen there. Uh, at, also, uh, LJ, LJ joins the crew. Yeah, uh, he just like flags them down while they're driving in this mm-hmm. car that Jill is hotwired. Uh, and just like, they're just like, well, yeah, alright, the more the merrier. Um, mm-hmm. they go, they manage to reach the school, we get a meaningful pan over to a raccoon police department canine unit van with the kennels, like, busted open. Um, Uh-oh. And Jill Uh-oh. immediately says, The thing you should never say in a horror movie. Do not say this in a horror movie. Which is that they should split up. Each taking one floor of the school. And I want right. to come back to this. Because she's taking the basement. She tells LJ to take the first floor. Terry to take the second. That sounds uh, like a YouTube thumbnail you would see. Like, just a picture of you head in your hands, like, screaming, and then the text says, don't ever say this in a horror movie. And then in yeah. he's not clickbait. <laughs> um, also, Terry is like, uh, I don't know if I should be on my own. And Jill's like, okay, just take one of my guns. I have two. She's like, I have never fired a gun in my life. And Jill says, there's nothing to it. Also never say this, not just in a horror movie, but in general. Incredibly bad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. At best, she will fuck up her wrist. Yeah. Uh, aim for the head. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, uh, Terry, uh, no, wait, shit. Okay, yeah, yeah, here we go. Uh, we... We get, uh, LJ g- looking around. He's, he gets jump scared by a skeleton. Mm-hmm. And it, it's in like a science lab, so it's a plastic replica yeah. skeleton. Uh, and then, like, as he's letting his guard down, a real zombie attacks him. But he gets saved by, uh, by a Carlos. 
Terry thinks Terry. he finds and yeah. Terry descending a staircase to the second floor. Mm-hmm. Listen, I don't want to be cinema sins about it, but like it was one scene ago, guys. Like, come on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it 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 would work just as well to uh, have her uh, climbing up some stairs, uh, but she finds this uh, girl rocking back and forth. She's facing away from the camera, so you know she's a zombie. Uh, no, what are, you, what are you talking about? This is Angela, obviously. Oh, right. And it's it's it's, to, it's totally normal that when she calls out, the kid does not respond. Mm-hmm. Uh, she gets attacked by a horde of zombie children and gets what? eaten by them. Where did these kids come from? What? I- <laughs> yeah. They were hiding. The room is completely empty when she enters, and then it's like, it it looks over her shoulder, and there's like two dozen of them. It's, it's like in a first person shooter. She, she had like activated like the trigger, and one of the monster closets opened up. Mm. Uh. I, I, I will say, dumb scene, but I do really like uh, the shot it ends on, which is her cam recorder just on the floor recording her own gruesome death. Yeah, it's great. Hey, hey, talking about scenes that are, like, set and staged weirdly, Jill is in the school's basement gymnasium, which has a floor just covered in basketballs. (laughs) Yeah, they were, uh, you know, they were shooting some hoops when the uh the zombie virus broke out how many uh, hoops were they shooting there are a lot listen listen there is a conference in town you know it's very tragic uh the 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 biannual uh greater uh raccoon metroplex uh b-ball hoop shooting contest was going on that's why you didn't hear those kids come in because they were out there practicing their footwork and they moved very silently of course <laughs> course yes uh so uh so jill uh is uh searching and she finds angela uh in in the same room in the same room yes in in the same room that terry died in but now there's no kid zombies i guess she was pretending to be a kid zombie or something i don't know Hmm. uh and she like she's like telling them about how well she's Angela they her friends call her Angie mm-hmm. uh she's she's a little girl uh and they like get the camera uh at and around this point they get attacked by zombie dogs yeah they're going through the cafeteria um Jill isn't able to kill the zombie dog but Nikolai manages to shoot it uh, and he, he does say stay before he double taps it, which is, it's a good one-liner. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also, <laughs> this is maybe one of the funniest things in the movie. He introduces himself and like, the second the last word is out of his mouth, he gets jumped by two more dogs. Yeah, it's incredible. Uh, uh, he, we get some more zombie stuff. We get Jill snapping a zombie lunch lady's neck. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like, <laughs> what a sentence! What a sentence that is. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the zombie dogs like are coming, so yeah, they, they, yeah, they chase them into the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, 
Aunt Jill sets off a gas leak, and then they yeah. manage to get around the dogs. She attempts to set off an explosion by throwing a lit match in there, but it goes out. Uh, but thankfully, mm. Alice is here now, and she just flicks a lit cigarette in there. <laughs> Hell yeah, and, this and, is great. And then she, like, wields this fire blanket like it is a shield from God to the protect. The fire blanket, oh my god, the fire blanket bit is so good. First we get the part where she avoids a tactical missile by dunking inside of a laundry basket. Mm. Now we have her avoiding the literal Dante's Inferno under a fire blanket that is about as thin as probably the blanket I'm wearing right now. Really, really tremendous material from this film, I gotta say. Yeah. You you can see her face when she when she does it too, so uh even I guess that's the power of blanky mode. Uh <laughs> so yeah, she's able to protect herself and uh and uh uh Angie uh, and, uh, uh, they, I think around the, yeah, around this point, like, they've escaped, uh. Yeah, all, uh, all the survivors in this little group, like, group up. It's Alice, mm-hmm. Angela, Jill, LJ, and Carlos. Mm-hmm. Um, Alice is like, Angela is infected on a massive level, and Angie's like, bitch, so are you. Um, mm-hmm. The whole thing with Angie is that she has the same disease which left her father unable to move without a wheelchair. Um, and apparently he developed the T-virus as a way to prevent her condition from worsening until she could no longer walk. Uh, I guess the zombie stuff was just like an unintended side effect, which is, <laughs> you know, thinking about it now, it's kind of funny. Yeah, it... Listen, it makes dead cells alive, and you see, that can be kind of a problem, because if someone's fully dead, they're just a zombie, or if they're just alive, they're just a zombie. You have to have a certain amount of dead versus living cells. Uh, sure, so, it, it makes sense. Uh, um, anyway, this is important, because it means that Angie just has, like, a little lunchbox with antivirus on hand, uh, and thankfully... I believe it's Carlos who was bitten. Yeah, um, Car- it, Carlos it, is. Yeah, Carlos yeah. is bitten and cured. Uh, yeah, it, he was bitten recently enough that the antivirus will either cure him or, like, you know, keep the condition in check. Uh, so, uh, Alice is now uh, recording herself on the camcorder and like giving all the exposition that that's needed. Uh, they, they have to get to, like, the, uh, they have to get to, uh, Chopper at City Hall, uh, mm-hmm. that, that'll take them out. Uh, it's surrounded by dudes, so they gotta take out the dudes. Uh, we get, uh, we get this bit where, like, they're fighting some regular troops, but a sniper is, like, sh- about to shoot them, but... Uh, Alice is able to, uh, take him out. He was, like, he, he was, she was, like, right behind him. Uh, and then we get another good action bit where she runs down a wall with a bungee cord and is shooting, shooting, like, troops. She, like, throws a knife at a guy through his helmet. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, he's, like, she's, she's just kicking ass, taking names. Uh, As she should. As, as is her right. 
Mm-hmm. It's very good to see. Uh, Chris takes out the last one. Uh, and they're gonna get in the chopper. But Alice... The problem is, yeah, yeah. Kane... Kane is there. Alice sees a computer screen that has like similar data to when she was being experimented on. Nemesis is also there. Uh, and you know, the launch is kiboshed. Uh, Angie does reunite with Dr. Ashford and, oh, I love this part because she's mm-hmm. like, I, I knew he wouldn't leave me. And he is, I swear to God, he's like, no, no, never, never. Mm-hmm. He, <laughs> my man does not act in this scene at all. He's, He's, uh, yeah, I don't know. He's not the strongest performer in this repertoire, I'll say that much. But, like, the, I, I feel like for the, for most of the movie, he is competent, and this is just, like, not even trying. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Listen, he, it was the last day of shoot, he had some shit to go do, I don't know. Get the best we can. Listen, the, I, the, I get it, I phone it in on Fridays. Yeah, 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 yeah. The the Dr. Ashford guy in this movie has really strong, like, YouTuber vibes to me. I don't know. He seems like the kind of guy that would probably keep, like, a journal video diary. Uh, I don't know. Does that make sense at all? Like, uh, like he's... a vlogger? Do what? A vlogger? Yeah, like a, like, just like a vlogger, I guess. I don't know. I, I can't explain it. Don't ask me to explain, it's just, it's just an atmosphere. He has vlogger vibes. And like, he's the kind of vlogger who's out recording things in front of his big bookshelf in his office, and he has, uh. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, like that kind of thing, you know? Uh, so, uh, uh, now that they've reunited, uh, uh, Alice gets more flashbacks. Uh, remembers who Nemesis is, uh, and Kane orders, uh, Nemesis and Alice to fight. Uh, uh, they, he calls them, like, brother and sister, which is weird because I'm pretty sure, weren't they, like, husband and wife or, like, posing as one? No, 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 no. Matt Matt was a different guy. Right, right. It's not, it's not the same person, but they definitely still had kind of, like, a... Like a will they want they vibe in that movie by the end, right? Or maybe right. maybe it was platonic. Like who can say? I, but I mean, listen, Kane wasn't there for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He doesn't know. It's it also, is very funny that you've got Mila Jovovich and then this latex equipped hot topic disaster, and he's like, yeah, you're you're basically siblings. I don't see what the problem is. I mean, here's the thing. His name is Kane. So he, if he is going oh. to, if he's, if he's going to pit two super weapons against each other, he's going to be like, oh, oh, I could make a whole metaphor out of this. Yes. Uh, he's, he's a guy who, a guy with a brother who sees every relationship as brother and sister or something mm-hmm. like that. It's like he's only seen the boss baby. Uh, yeah. Ah, uh, yes. Yes. And uh, anyway, he, Alice is like, I'm not gonna do that. He's like, okay, I, I'll just kill all the rest of your friends. And she's like, yeah, no, you're not gonna do that. He just immediately shoots Dr. Ashford. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, that guy was useful to me. He, he had medical knowledge. You think I give a shit about any of the rest of you jokers? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so she agrees to fight. 
we have another really bad fight between Alice and Nemesis, and I, uh, oh, I wanted to like this fight. I mean, it is, on one hand, on one hand, you are right, it is quite stinky. It's not uh, very good in the traditional sense. But, on the other hand, they do sword fight. They, they do, do, they, they they do, do sword, sword fight. fight. I, I wish they could sword fight without, like, cuts in the middle of each swing of the sword. Yeah, it's and, very like, hard to follow what's going on. an insane amount of motion blur. Also, Listen, it's it's radical. It's radical art. You know, we're still catching up. <laughs> Listen, the cuts in the blur are one thing. That's, like, standard bad action editing. But it also keeps, like, cutting back to Kane's face. And, like, he looks halfway between confused and bored. And it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, man, me too. But, I, you know, I thought you were into this, so... Doesn't do the action any favors. That's mm-hmm. That's to be sure. Yeah. Uh... And here's the other thing. Like, the sort of end of this fight, basically, is she impales Nemesis, and then she has, like, another flashback montage thing, and it seems like she's just now realizing he's Matt. And it's right. like, yeah, Gir- girl, how many times have we heard the phrase, I want Matt for the Nemesis program? Like, <laughs> put- Yeah, whose flashback is that? Whose flashback is that if it's not hers? Are they just flashing back for our benefit? It's, is she not privy to those? What's like, the deal? Like, it, it is really some put two and two together type shit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe, maybe, uh, Alice is like a, like a toddler where she doesn't have a whole lot of object permanence in that way. Right. Where it's just like, oh, there's somebody there. I don't know who though. It's a mystery. Maybe. <laughs> that, so that's what later on, like in the end sequence, when they're talking about her cognitive abilities improving, you mean they weren't talking about like her getting psychic powers. They were saying she, she can understand that when we do peekaboo, we're still there, just behind God. our hands. You're talking about this, and it always makes you remember, because I always forget when I watch this film, that the fight with Nemesis is not the end of this movie. There's still, like, 20 whole minutes of movie after this happens, which this, is This movie has bananas. some Dano Mall. Yeah. 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 Uh, I, I, what I love... The most important thing about this whole, uh, fight sequence is, uh, as, like, we're getting the big revelation that he was in the- that the nemesis was, in fact, the guy who was in the nemesis program, uh, we get, like, close-ups of nemesis's big, beautiful blue eye. It's and, so silly. And oh he's, my like, gosh. crying. It's so good. It's it's really something. It's I, I nemesis gosh. hours. <laughs> big nemesis hours. It's like I don't Here's the thing. I've spent this whole podcast saying, Oh, I'm the Nemesis enjoyer. Oh, I love Nemesis. Ooh, marry me Nemesis. But this does not work for me. Mm-hmm. Nemesis stops becoming interesting for me as soon as you stop making him a weird, fucked up biochemical zombie weapon and start making him weepy white guy CIA agent who was turned into the friggin hot topic mall goth right Right. like Mm -hmm. like that's just not as compelling to me but it is very funny they may have all just had a single tear roll down that big latex face but from what I remember they do at least restrain from that Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
so basically, Kane is like, okay, do, do it. Kill him. And, uh, Alice is like, no. He, he was nice to me. Uh, and the upshot of that is that Nemesis basically unimpales himself. Kane is like, okay, you kill her instead, I guess. Uh, but instead, it, it, it's unclear whether this is like, out of love and compassion for Alice, or because he's mad that his boss called him an evolutionary dead end, uh, Nemesis mm-hmm. turns on the Umbrella troops and starts mowing them down instead. Nemesis is now a friend. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and Carlos and Jill have managed to, like, break out of their zip cuffs, and now they're in the fight, too. Yeah. Uh, so, at this point, uh, the nuke's getting launched. Mm-hmm. So, uh, uh, LJ, well, yes, uh, Kane, like, gets into the helicopter, he's like, why is there no, why hasn't the helicopter gone off yet? And, mm-hmm. uh, turns out LJ's here, punches him in the face, and he says that normally he drives a Cadillac. Uh. Great! I love him! He's so good! Uh, so, uh, Alice is, like, uh, fighting dudes, uh, Nemesis, has a rocket launcher and is taking out enemy choppers. Yeah, they, there are combat helicopters entirely so Nemesis can shoot them down with a rocket launcher. And it's like, oh, like in the game he's from. Yeah. kind of sick. He should have done a huge vertical leap and grabbed a helicopter and, like, <laughs> slammed it down to the ground. That would have been very impressive to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but then he couldn't tragically die from the flaming wreckage crashing into it. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, I guess. Uh, so... Uh, uh, LJ, uh, everyone gets into the helicopter. LJ forces the pilot to take off. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and, uh, Kane is on there with them, and he says that, and, like, Alice is gonna kill him, and he says that killing him won't set things right, but it's a start. Yeah, she, I oh, love yeah. it when she says, but it's a start. It's so fucking cool. I love yeah. Mia Jovovich in this movie. She's really good. Yeah, she pushes him out of the helicopter. Uh, as, they, as this horde of zombies is approaching, and among them, here's the best part, it's zombie Ashford. And he's he can't walk, even now, he's just crawling along the ground. And uh, Kane is, like, desperately firing shots from a gun into the crowd, but obviously he can't hold them back. Uh, he's, like, collapsing, he goes to kill himself, but he's run out of bullets, and then mm-hmm. Ashford gets him. It's so good. I fucking it's love really it. It's really good. The hubris, the tragedy, the the revenge, all of it. The biochemical corporation being being killed by the employee it betrayed and turned against. We love themes. We love it's, uh it's very beautiful. explicit subtext. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's um and there's a lot of that in these movies too uh going forward, but I think here it's really satisfying because she gets the cool one-liner and pushes him outside the helicopter. Mm-hmm. I, I would, I would die for Mila Jovovich. I love her in these movies. Uh, so, uh, the, uh, nuke goes off and is wiping out the city. Uh, and, uh, the, uh, the helicopter is going, going away. Uh, Mila, or Alice gets, like, stabbed at some point. Uh, so, specifically what happens is there's, like, a flying piece of debris, and it's going towards, 
Angie and Alice like shields her with her body. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, uh, uh, the helicopter crashes outside Raccoon City. Uh, no bodies found, just Alice. Uh, we get a TV sequence. Uh, initially, uh, the truth has gotten out. Uh, we now know that Raccoon City, uh, or that was destroyed by, uh, the... The Undead Plague. Yeah, the Undead Plague. Yeah, uh, the, the, the whole video thing was that on. was, re- yeah, the video that was, like, recorded on, uh, oh, I gotta remember her name now. Uh, Terry. Yeah, uh, the, the, the video that was recorded on Terry's camcorder along with like a confession slash expose by Alice that was sent out to news agencies and they're all reporting on it. Uh, but then after a certain point, we start hearing about how uh, that video has been discredited as, a, as has been discredited as a hoax. It's a, it was just a tragic nuclear explosion. Uh, Jill and Carlos are being sought out for questioning by police. Mm-hmm. Uh, and honestly, I expected it to end here on this huge downer note, and I was like, damn, that's, like, kind of bold. Mm-hmm. That kind of would have been cool if it had ended like that, right? Because I think it would have, um... It would have driven I home think... the themes. Yeah, exactly, exactly, right? It would have really uh, gotten that stuff in, but unfortunately, we do have to set up the next sequel? Well, kind of. It Kind of, yeah. It, what, what we get is Alice, she's in a tank, uh, uh, this like, scientist guy is like, talking to her, she, her brain is expanding, uh, yeah, uh, after, after she comes out of the tank, it seems like she's suffering from memory loss and cognitive impairment, but then he, she like, recognizes the lead researcher as one of the people who was experimenting on her after the first movie. Um, Mm -hmm. And she, you know, she gets all her memories back. We get one last flashback sequence, but it's at like five times speed. Uh, And then she just goes sicko mode and it rules. Yeah. Uh, She like, she no sells a taser and then throws the taser back at the guy. So he gets stunned. Mm-hmm. Uh, she 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 telekinetically murders the guy monitoring the facility's security cameras. Yes, it's incredible. Uh, uh, and then she like gets out. Uh, she's surrounded. Uh, and then our heroes of the film, mm-hmm. uh, disguised as umbrella officials, come to pick her up and let her out of the facility. They're gonna go save the world from umbrella. Uh, also, Angie is here for some reason. Listen, yeah, why not? What else? Yeah. She's got nobody else to take care of her. Fuck yeah, gotta that's have true. A, you gotta have a plucky sidekick in there somewhere. And besides, mm-hmm. she's got the T virus in her, so maybe she'll be a super soldier someday. Yeah. Hey, a uh, quick question: Would y'all believe me if I told you you will never see Angie again for the rest of this franchise? <laughs> yes. Yes. She will not ever be mentioned or brought I, up or even seen in a flashback. I absolutely believe that. I don't know if I'm happy about it, but I definitely believe it. Yeah, yeah. She she is never relevant to these movies again. Uh, so uh, they leave. We get like this last ominous thing of uh. Some unknown individual, uh, uh, telling 
them to activate Program Alice. Well, I, th- I thought it was the head researcher at this facility. Oh, and right, like, right. And he, he also specifically, like, calls the guards at the security checkpoint out of this whole compound, but he tells them to let them go. Mm-hmm. Which is, mm, what what could that be about? They gotta yeah. collect more data. They need, uh, they need more data. Yeah. Uh, uh so, so yeah, Program Alice is now active. Uh, we get, like, some cryptic, uh, shots through Alice's vision and, like, oh, what's that about? We'll see, I guess. Uh, and then we zoom out, like, up and up all the way to space and we end on a shot of, like, an umbrella branded satellite orbiting the planet. And it's so oh, fucking cool! Shit. It is pretty cool. I love the Umbrella stuff in these movies. Um, coming up before too much longer, I don't know if it's been in them yet, but we start getting anybody whose umbrella has, like, uh, eyes where their pupils become the Umbrella logo. It kind of kicks ass. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, that's the end of the movie. Uh, how do we rate this as an adaptation and as a film overall? Whew. As an adaptation, mm. I might actually have to go, like, four or five, because, like, I, you know, I, I would say it's only, you know, three out of five stars as a movie, mm. but it, it clearly, you know, it pays homage to the source material, it strikes a very good balance of, like, drawing from the source material and doing its own thing, and, mm. uh, you know, I think that's kind of the best you can expect from an adaptation. Right. Uh, yeah. Hmm. Hmm. I need to think about this for a second. Uh, I would say, I would, yeah, I would give it a three or four out of five. Just, it, it sure is Resident, from what I understand of Resident Evil 2 and 3, this is pretty close to it. Or as close as you can get within, like, feature film length. Yeah, totally. It's not, um, as, as someone who loves those games, it's not really, like, super, super accurate, but it gets the broad strokes. I mean, it does, it does, uh, it does take some liberties, you know, but, but what, right. what doesn't, right? It does put Nemesis, it is fairly accurate with, like, 70% of that stuff. I don't know. I want to say, I want to say, like, a three and a half for accuracy, mm-hmm. uh, because it references a lot of stuff, but it doesn't really nail the vibe? Yeah, I think I'll lower mine to a three. Uh, yeah, and as a movie itself, I'm probably going to be a little bit harsher on this one. I usually mm-hmm. get this one, like, a two out yeah. of five. Or, really? Uh, because, yeah, and I think it's for me, it's because I've I've seen all these movies a lot, right? And I know... How good these get after this one, right? And I think, like, for me, I'm a little biased because in comparison to 3, 4, and 5, the movies, it's not that remarkable. And it has a lot of good bits, too, but I think the parts of it that aren't the good bits can get kind of boring, especially that ending stretch where it's like, okay... There's the Nemesis fight, that was kind of garbage, and it's like, oh, there's still 15 or 20 minutes more exposition at the end of this. You that know, That's is... definitely fair. I, I liked a lot of the ending stuff, but also there was a lot of it. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I mean, I could go either way. I think for me, uh, I'm going to round it out at two and a half stars in both categories. Just even right, right in the middle for me. Right. Uh, I'll go with, I'll go with two out of five just cause there's some good action in here, but I feel like there's not enough tension to be a good horror film, but also not enough action to be a good action film. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it certainly has some good moments, but I feel like, like, look, rewatching this, it's definitely weaker than, uh, some of the, uh, other films in the series, especially, like, compared to the last one. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, two out of five. Yeah, it's not a bad movie. Like, it's, it's, Fun in places for sure, but in my personal thought, it just kind of like the stuff that isn't fun almost outweighs the stuff that is. You know? Right. Yeah. I had fun watching it again. I'll say that much. It was good talking about it with y'all. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I actually had a couple suggestions. Oh wait, no, we have questions first, right? Uh, yeah. Just uh, wait. Actually, what was your rating as a as a movie? Mine, I don't I, know, I'm sticking with like, eh, maybe like a three. All Hell right. yeah. Hell all yeah. Right. Uh, all right, let's go over the questions. Uh, uh, if you want in to like, if you want to send in a question, you can like send it in on our Twitter. Uh, That's at VGTMTP. Uh, yep. Uh, or you can send it to uh, our Discord. We got, we got one question from, uh, uh, previous guest, uh, Sky. Uh, so, as someone on the outside looking in, I want to ask a bit of a silly question. What is Resident Evil about? The best I can tell is zombies, Ooh. unless you're fighting mushroom men or vampires. So, I mean, uh, the thing about Resident Evil is it's all structured by the malfeasance of the Umbrella Corporation, which is nominally a consumer pharmaceutical company, but they have a side business where they make bioweapons. Um, mm. In a lot of games, those are zombies. Sometimes it's other monsters, like, as we see here, Nemesis uh, at, in Resident Evil 7, and I think 8? I'm not entirely clear on how 8 works, but, you know, it's mold monsters. All of uh, it that's, is... That's 7. The mold monsters is 7. 8 is... um. It is the one with the stacked vampire lady that No, and I, I, I know it has the stacked vampire lady, but it's like, was, is she a vampire lady because of mold or what? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I never finished the, that game, to be and, honest. Anyway, the point is, all of this is tied back to the Umbrella Corporation trying to make a buck off of turning people into bloodthirsty monsters, basically. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'd say that's fairly accurate in like, in like broad strokes, you know, um, the the ones uh, the the kind of the kind of uh, arc of the franchise is it goes from a game which is largely kind of a haunted house monster mash thing with that sort of bio horror stuff uh, creeping in towards the end as you like figure out more and more about why the house is a monster mash and then as they progressively go that stuff gets pushed more and more to the forefront. Uh, to where it starts becoming more of like an action horror thing. I mean, Resident Evil 4 is pretty much comedy horror, right? But right. then, um, 5 gets really goofy, 6 is weird, 
And then seven and eight, like you said, get back into like mold monster, uh, biochemical weapon kind of horror stuff. Um, I don't know. There's, there's a bunch of different protagonists. Uh, the games are really good. Like if you're listening to this and you've never played any of them and you're thinking about it, uh, those remakes of two and three that they released a few years back are both spectacular. Like really, really fantastic games. Um, but it is kind of just an entire franchise about how fucked up it is that corporations can do weird, evil biochemical things, you know? Mm-hmm. Which, again, you gotta respect it. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, so what were you going to say about suggestions? Uh, yeah, so I was talking to my boyfriend, Zach, and there were two I, were looking, I was looking at that uh, they expressed interest in. Uh, the Assassin's Creed movie, and uh, Doom. Oh, I was thinking about, what if we talked about Doom? Yeah, l- All right. could, let's bring right, them yeah. on next month to talk about Doom. Alright, we are, uh, we're doing Doom next month. Fuck uh, yeah. We, I'm sure we'll have fun <coughs> ripping and tearing into it. Oh. Uh, yeah. That's a joke. Yeah, that is a joke. Uh... <laughs> I'm uh, full of l- them. Yeah, it, I, we're about done, so, uh, let's do some plugs. Uh, Morgan, where can we find you? Yeah, um, I'm on pretty much every social media website under CurseGoat, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, etc., etc. I write a lot of movie reviews these days. Um, I haven't officially announced it on my Twitter yet, but we've announced it in other places. I am now the virtual programmer for Hyper Real Film Club, which is a, a local cinema organization here in Austin. So uh, if you're interested in that, you can go check out their website or Instagram, where we have information about the programs I'm doing for them. Uh, I am on the podcast Emoji Drome 2.0 with Sylvie from Friends at the Table. Uh, we're on a bit of a break because Sylvie went on a trip, but we are going to start recording that again this upcoming week. Uh, I don't know when is this coming out. When uh, not to not to talk shop, but do you have like a rough window? I I try to aim for like before the month is over, but honestly, it'll probably be up like a week or two into uh, July. Okay. Uh, yeah. 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 Great. Um, in that case, we'll have definitely recorded and posted a new episode by the time you hear this. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, um, this, this has not explicitly been made public and I don't know if it will be, uh, by the time that this episode goes up. It just depends. But if you are a fan of the JoJo rewatch podcast, Dogs Must Die with, uh, <gasps> oh, Chip Cheese and yes. Ironicus. You should keep an eye on your podcast feed on July 11th. I will not say why, but perhaps you can hazard a guess. Oh, of course. Uh, yes. As- aside from that, I think, uh, I think that's everything, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, just, uh, just, just doing my thing out here in the world. How about y'all? Well, I'm Maxie. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Tumblr at Max Knightley. That's M-A-X-K-N-I-G-H-T-L-E-Y. And speaking of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure podcasts, I'm on Eidolon Playtest, an actual play podcast where we are testing out a system a couple friends of mine made, draws a lot of inspiration from JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, some from Persona as well. Uh, it's all about, you know, psychic battles and 
getting in scrapes and arguments with your buds. Uh, mm. Currently, we're doing some short interlude campaigns before we start Season 3. Uh, as of this recording, the fourth episode, the final episode of Eidolon Crush, which I GM'd, should be going up this Monday. Uh, I think that should all be complete and ready for uh, any listener to access probably by the time this goes up. If not, there will be the first three up. Uh, and I'm also on a MASH rewatch podcast, Draining the Swamp. Uh, you can mm-hmm. find that at draining-the-swamp.pinecast.co. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm Dan. You can find me at a lot of places, and uh, those include Twitter, at uh, BiggerChallenge. Uh, there's my YouTube channel, Big Challenges. I've got a Fallout 4 with a lot of mods on it, LP. Uh, you can, uh, listen to my other podcasts, which include Pod of Greed, a Yu-Gi-Oh! podcast. Uh, we are recording, at the time, at this date, we are recording two episodes day, one day after the other, and we are going to be having, uh, the hosts of the podcast Anime Sickos on for our next recording. Nice. Uh, uh, we'll... We'll be talking about the penultimate set of episodes. We are almost done with season three. Uh, uh, I'm very excited about what's gonna happen. Uh, uh, come, well, we're gonna be coming back in September for season four after we finish season three. We're gonna go a little bit of on a break. Uh, and, uh, in, you can also, uh, uh, you can also listen to uh, the Sonic Shuffle, a Sonic Lore podcast. I've been, I've admittedly been putting off, uh, recordings, but like some stuff we have, some stuff we've talked about recently include, uh, the, uh, fan comic by the Hydroxian hanging out. Uh, we, uh, had a really good recording recently on some episodes of Sonic Underground. Uh, I'm, we are, we're coming up on a hundred episodes. I also want to know that. Uh, note that. Uh, and, uh, you can listen to my fin- finished podcast, Chill Bleed, about Ill Bleed. My inactive podcast, Stranger's Fiction, which is an actual play. Uh, and last but not least, you can visit at Xbox underscore holiday, where Usher celebrates holidays with Xbox. Hell Happy yeah. Pride Month, Xbox. Happy Pride Month, Xbox. Happy Pride Month, Xbox. Uh, so, uh, we are VGTMTP, or you can find us on Twitter at VGTMTP, uh, you can find our Discord from there, uh, it's a handy way to send in questions, uh, and, uh, yeah, I think that's everything, so, uh, until next time, I'm Dan. I'm Maxie. I'm Morgan. And this ain't no game. Uh, good night, everyone. Good night.